Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast here on Believe. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you. No Mike Anguilano this week should have him back next week. Fingers crossed. Jasper, we got a lot to talk about. We're recording here uh, pretty close to, to tip-off time as the Pistons get set to take on the Toronto Raptors. I know we missed last week's show, so we've got some stuff to talk about. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, I was in Boston last week for the Pistons, uh, <laughs> shall we say, less than satisfactory performance against the Celtics uh which was a great time uh you know fifth row tickets you're never gonna say no to that um although I do have to say Alec Burks I asked you to throw me a piece of gum you made eye contact with me and you didn't throw it so a little disappointed in that um you know I'm wishing you the best this year but that was kind of messed up man I, I, you know I just wanted to say that off the bat that wasn't that wasn't cool um it's just kind but, of a, a bro to bro thing like if, if, yeah, if a dude asks you for a piece of gum, you, you give him a piece of gum. That's... You give the guy a piece of gum. I was four, what fifth row. He could have just tossed it to me. So right, that that kind of ruined the night. Uh, you know, getting blown out didn't help either. But other than that, Aaron, I'm doing great. Uh, really interesting potential lineup change coming to the Pistons tonight. Uh, it, it's. The kind of thing that we have been anticipating for a while, and it's the type of change that, even when Kate Cunningham does come back, is certainly something that could stick. Uh, but what that's going to mean for the rest of the starting lineup is going to be really fascinating. So I'm ready to get into it if you are. Yeah, I am too. Before we do that, let's talk about this week's sponsor. As always, it's Bet Online. Basketball, obviously, as we know, it's thankfully, gracefully back. And with it being back, Bet Online remains your number one sport source for basketball betting and all your other sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends, all that and more at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They're always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL. MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Aaron, the Pistons are playing the Raptors tonight, and you already know I hammered that money line. (laughs) It's like a rite of passage. You have to. It's six in a row at this point. They've won against... Uh, against the Raptors you you kind of have to do it until it stops working just keep hammering right it yeah it's essentially at this point you have to do it 
until it loses. You just, you know, you don't want to be that guy who's like, all right, I'll jump on that ship. And then it be the time that the Pistons lose these two teams going at it tonight, uh, both missing some key players, Detroit without Kate Cunningham and, and Toronto without Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent, Precious Achua. So they're missing a whole slew of guys. Uh, Pistons obviously missing Kate Cunningham, their top player. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Pistons and, and Raptors have pretty much been at full strength uh, over the years when they've, you know, during this Dwayne Casey time where the Pistons have just mm-hmm. been up on Toronto. So this will be an interesting game. Uh, but going into tonight, we did get a little bit of a cryptic tweet from James Edwards about an hour and a half before tip off that the Pistons would uh, be making a, a tweak to the starting lineup tonight. At least that's what his tweet said. He said there might be a tweak to the Pistons starting lineup beginning tonight. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time speculating on who it's going to be or who we think it's going to be, because obviously by the time this episode comes out, the game will have already been played. I'll go on record here and say that I think it's going to be Marvin Bagley into the starting lineup. I think one of Bogdanovich or Bay goes to the bench. Um, But this is an interesting topic to discuss, I think, from more of a philosophical standpoint in terms of not necessarily who the player will be, more so the idea of do the Pistons need a change to the starting lineup uh, with Kate Cunningham out, and is it a starting lineup change that needs to be made to stay in place when Kate Cunningham returns? What do you think about that? Ooh, well, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, I think we're both in agreement. Marvin Bagley's going to be starting tonight, and what that probably means is that you're going to be running with the lineup of Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bey, Boyan Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart. I see both sides of this, and this is definitely an intriguing play because I think that long-term, there is certainly a chance that Bagley and Stewart are going to play together. That's that's not a secret. Uh, the Pistons have outwardly said that uh, in preseason. Uh, this is definitely something that they're looking at as a potential, potential starting lineup change. And Aaron, this is something that we talked about actually after the very, very first game of the season was the possibility that one of Sadiq Bey or Boyan Bogdanovich was going to have to move to the bench long-term during this season because the Pistons' interior defense, the Pistons' rebounding is so abysmal with their current starting five, even with Cade Cunningham on the floor. It's it's just not working from that perspective. Uh, they have the worst defense in the entire NBA. It hasn't gotten better since game one. It was bad in the preseason. That doesn't seem like it's going to change. But one thing that can change is how they combat that. And I think one of the things they're going to have to do is cut down on opponents' second-chance opportunities and increase their own second-chance opportunities with offensive rebounding. And the way they're going to have to do that is by inserting one of Marvin Bagley or Jalen Duran into the starting lineup because, frankly, Bay and Bogdanovich can't do it. And after the first game, we said if one of those two guys is going to have to come off the bench – we think it should be Sadiq Bey. And I'm fascinated to see how tonight's game goes because I really think this is where we potentially start seeing that switch from him. Aaron, it's been said so many times, it's a cliche. You win in the wings in the NBA. And while I like Sadiq Bey, while I like what he brings to the team overall, he's simply not that level of player offensively or defensively that can consistently swing games in your favor from the wing position. And you look at next year's draft class, 
if the Pistons aren't taking Victor or Scoot, they're probably taking a win. They're probably taking a small forward in next year's draft, which means Sadiq Bey is ultimately probably going to have to go to the bench long-term. So I see tonight's game as a great opportunity to see what that lineup of Bagley and Stewart can bring in terms of rebounding, in terms of second chance opportunities, in terms of being able to slow down opposing teams, big men, uh, can they work together defensively? Because if they do, I think what that says is that you absolutely are going to have to run with that lineup and you're going to have to move one of Bay or Bogdanovich to the bench. For me, this is the way to kind of see if that's the move forward. I personally, uh, I do think with Precious Achuia out, I think they have a great chance of winning the rebounding battle like they, they did against Boston, who also had a lot of players out. And if they can do that, I think what it's going to show Dwayne Casey is that, again, you're going to have to size up interior moving forward with your starting lineup. And when Cade Cunningham back, comes back, you can give him that consistent lob threat and Marvin Bagley to go along with Isaiah Stewart. That, to me, seems like a better path forward. Um, because I don't uh, really see any other way the defense can get better. And it's not like the offense has been great either. So they're going to have to make moves long-term at the end of the day, this might be the one to do. And what it could show us is a look at the future when Kate Cunningham does come back from his shin injury. Yeah. I think you're right. When you say there's a change that is going to have to be made in, in the future, right? Like the way things stand, the current roster, there are there's going to be a change because as of now, the Pistons have one of the worst records in the NBA that's slating them to land a top five pick in the draft, slating them to draft a guy that, as you would imagine, as a top five pick, would end up joining this team's starting lineup and being considered a pretty important part of this team's core, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. There's a lot of basketball left. Some things can certainly change, but that's the way things are looking right now for Detroit. And I'm in agreement that you obviously have Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. I don't think you're, you know, necessarily searching to, to draft another point guard type prospect unless you end up with Scoot Henderson. Uh, but that's even getting too deep into prospect talk for now. The point is, I, I, I'm in agreement. I think Sadiq Bey long term is going to be the guy to go to the bench tonight. I'm not sure how Detroit wants to roll things out, you know. I, I know Killian Hayes has played well uh, the last, you know, the, la the last week he's played some decent basketball. Um, but I think tonight presents a good opportunity to go Ivy Bay Bogdanovich and then Stewart and Bagley. I think that would be, you know, a lineup that gives Detroit some more size, some more rebounding, uh, keep some shooting out on the court. But at the same time, long-term Sadiq Bay is probably best suited to come off the bench, you know, and, and he's made some strides this year. Uh, shooting a career best 53% from inside the arc. Uh, it's remarkable. You know, he's, you know, about 8% higher than, than what he was last year or his rookie season, but the true shooting percentage has only gone up, you know, two, two percentage points, uh, excuse me, not two percentage points. It's gone up six percentage points, but only 2% from his rookie year. Uh, it's only gone up 2% higher from his rookie year. Wow. I'm jumbling my words. there really bad <laughs> point being, as I try to explain this, as a coherent adult is that while Sadiq Bey has made progressions scoring from inside, the outside shooting has seemingly taken another step backwards from an already disappointing shooting year last season. 
he went from a 38% three-point shooter on just under 12 attempts per game, excuse me, 12 attempts per 100 possessions in his rookie season to under 35% last year. And at and this year, going into tonight's game, he's shooting under 31% from the three-point line. That's not the only other area of his game that's taken a hit this year. He's at a career low in rebounding percentage and assist percentage. Uh, he's got a career-high turnover percentage. And all of that says the inside scoring being more efficient is nice, but other parts of his game have sacrificed. And we know that he's not the defender that we probably thought he was capable of being, at least in my mind, Sadiq Bey coming into this team as rookie year, I felt had the size, had the attributes to be a two-way wing. And he just really hasn't been that in his career yet. And it doesn't look like that change is really coming anytime soon. So I think you have to move him to the bench when, when Kate Cunningham goes back. If you want to prioritize more rebounding, if you want to prioritize some more interior sides, this is a team that, you know, doesn't rebound the ball well. They give away points in the paint. So you have to make some type of move at some point. I don't know if Marvin Bagley's the guy. Hell, I don't know if the answer's even on this roster. Really, I don't think it is. Uh, but in terms of this year, with the current guys on the team, I think you still have to, to look to make a move because what's on the court right now clearly isn't working. Now, I think Sadiq Bey playing in the second unit uh, would be good for them. And it would be good for the starters because they need a change of pace. Whether that's Bagley, whether that's maybe Isaiah Livers, that's a guy that you were very high on as a potential starter going into the season. You know, some change is probably necessary for Detroit, even if it doesn't work and they have to try someone else or back to Bay. At this point, things aren't working. So you've got to start trying different combinations. Uh, a good opportunity tonight a good opportunity uh, without Kate Cunningham, who's, who's going to be out all this week and, and probably a little bit more uh, into next week and possibly longer, depending on, on shin splints. Those things are are not something that just tend to go away. So uh, it's a perfect opportunity for, for Detroit to try some different things out, some different lineups. I am in favor of getting some different looks, you know, for, for as much as people have talked about Marvin Bagley being the guy. I'd also like to see, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran get some time together. So uh, I just hope Detroit tries out some different things. Uh, you know, it can change from, from game to game, obviously, as well. Nothing says you have to stick with the same starting lineup all the time. You can play it for matchups and, and things of that nature. So I think change is, is, is needed. It's welcomed. And it's, it's the right call long-term for the Pistons when they're going to be making some wholesale changes to this team anyway. Absolutely. Aaron, do you know what Sadiq Bey is shooting over his last 700 attempts from three? I don't want to know. And and just so you know, while we are recording and, and finishing this up, we do have uh, the official news. Sadiq Bey is going to the bench. Marvin Bagley is going to start. Oh, wow. So are they going to go Corey Joseph or Killian Hayes in the starting lineup? So it's Killian Hayes, Jaden Ivey, Bogdanovich, Bagley, and Stewart. Okay. I assumed they were going to move everybody down, but there we go. I mean, the lack it of seems in that lineup is alarming. But it, well, it, well, well, let's be real, Aaron. Like I just said, over his last seven hundred attempts, Sadiq Bay shooting thirty four percent from three. Right? No, you're, you're that's not that's not a that's not a small sample size. That's a a big sample size right there. Seven hundred attempts. 
He's shooting 34% from three. So yeah, they're losing a little bit in terms of that shooting, but I mean, it's, it's not like he's been, he has, frankly, he hasn't been good enough, especially for a guy that's taken 7.2 attempts per game. Right. No, you're hundred percent right. He's, he's much more of a theoretical shooter now. I, yep. I think, you know, look in the grand scheme of things, his rookie year was an anomaly, I guess. I mean, we now have last year where it, it didn't really get better. I mean, it got a little bit better, but never, never good enough. And this year it's not been good enough. Once again, it's no. been even worse. So it, it looks more like, you know, his rookie year was an anomaly more so than last year was. So, but at, but at the same time, Aaron, it also shows his strides in interior scoring, which I think are for real. I think I they're do. legit. Yes. Since his rookie year, when he came into the league, it w- was shocking to me that he wasn't a good interior scorer because he's always had the strength. He's always had the moves. He's always had fantastic interior footwork. It was the thing that jumped off the page to me when I first started watching him as a Piston. was like, wow, for a young player, this guy has unbelievable interior footwork, especially around the rim. He just can't finish. Now he is finishing. And... For me, when I look at that, that's a player that absolutely is valuable for a bench. If you have that guy that can get you tough, tough baskets inside the lane, that can take up, take in for and ones, that can get fouls on other teams' backups, that's so valuable. It's so valuable. But if he's in the starting lineup where he needs to share the ball with Kate Cunningham and Boyan Bogdanovich and Jaden Ivey, uh, and he also isn't able to knock down open shots if he's not a great three-point shooter. What's the point? Tr- truly, what's the point of having that guy in your starting lineup when you could replace him with other players that maybe won't be able to replace his scoring, but will be able to give you, like we said, different looks in in, in terms of post-play. That will be able to give you different looks in terms of rebounding, in terms of but on both offense and defense in terms of rim running in terms of dump offs. And that's what Marvin Bagley can bring to your starting lineup. So am, am I necessarily convinced that this is, Oh, this is what they should do long-term. This has to be the lineup. Absolutely not. But I definitely think that it's something that's worth exploring, worth looking into. And I'm glad Dwayne Casey is doing it. And I'm really glad that he's bringing Sadiq Bay off the bench because it seems to me like he's starting to kind of grasp, what we've literally been saying since the first game of the season. Yeah. And, and and I'm also glad it's not Bogdanovich who moves to the bench because I know that that was something that no was being read, you know, right before the beginning of the season. And I just thought that would have been an absolutely abysmal decision. Uh, Makes no sense. Yeah. And, and Bogdanovich has proved this year, you know, just how necessary he is uh, for this team, you know, especially without Kate Cunningham out or without Cunningham out there. And, and I think you can even hide some of Sadiq Bey's defensive defensive deficiencies if he's coming off the bench. I think you can help him out in terms of rebounding. We saw him take some strides in terms of his playmaking last year. And look, he's taken a step back, like you said, this year. Half the assists per game as he did last year. I think a big part of that is now you have another high-usage player, Boyan Bogdanovich, and another high-usage guard in Jaden Ivey, who, I, I mean, that's just going to happen if, right. if they need the ball if they're going to play make if they're going to score for themselves just inherently it's going to hurt Sadiq Bey's abilities to to pass the ball so I think both for him in the long term and the short term this could be a help for him coming off the bench and I think it can help the starting lineup as well we'll see 
Uh, we might look like fools because this, this is going to come out after the game's over, but I feel pretty confident in seeing the vision with Sadiq Bey coming off the bench. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement for sure. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Obviously, on next week's podcast, we'll we'll be uh, I'm sure sounding off on that and and how that went for Detroit. Let's move into something that isn't as in the moment as a potential lineup change on game day. Uh, from Jake Fisher of the Don't Aggregate This podcast, part of Yahoo Sports, uh, he talked about Boyan Bogdanovich, who recently agreed to a two-year contract extension with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, He was talking about how the Los Angeles Lakers are still interested in trading for Bogdanovich. Uh, In fact, that they talked to the Utah Jazz about trading for him during this past offseason, but they're still interested in acquiring him. Now, Fisher also mentioned the Phoenix Suns as a potential suitor for Boyan Bogdanovich. Now, I know there's been some other talk that you know, the Pistons aren't going to trade Bogdanovich. They plan on keeping him here, uh, you know, as they try to put together a, a playoff team, a contending team. What do you think the Pistons should be doing with Bogdanovich? Because I have some some thoughts, but I, I'd like to hear what you think first. Wow. Um, man, I, I, I might make myself look like a fool with what you're about to say, but uh, I'm, I'm so 50-50 on this because, look, I, I do understand – the desire to offload Bogdanovich for picks for potentially young players for potentially veterans also that could maybe possibly help this team out. Uh, I I know the two teams that to me at least, and this is always the hardest part with figuring out these kind of trades uh, is even if you get the team, you might not be able to get like the, the, the perfect construction of that trade. We had the idea that Jeremy Grant was going to go to Portland for like a year and a half before it happened. But the reason it took so long was because Portland wasn't willing to give up this in order for this. And hey, that's why Detroit got Bogdanovich in the first place, is the Lakers and the Suns were not willing to part with with draft picks at that point. I look at it right now, look, if those are the two teams that are the most serious about it, the trades are pretty simple, actually. Uh, There's kind of limited options for what both sides can do. If it's Phoenix... Jay Crowder's coming the other way. And that's a guy that could absolutely help the Pistons, not just in terms of shooting, but defensively as well, in terms of rebounding, in terms of toughness, things that, while I love Bogdanovich and his shooting, he doesn't necessarily bring to this team, um, especially in terms of size. So I could see that. uh, But what you're going to need back as well is probably a young player. I saw campaign throw up thrown out there. That would be interesting to me. Maybe you send Killian Hayes the other way. I don't know. Uh, but you'd also need a, a draft pick as well. The other team, the Lakers, potentially we're talking, I think you're going to have to get two picks, and my guess would be the 27th and 29th pick. The problem there is that the other guy who's going to kind of going to have to come the other way is Russell Westbrook. And there's really no other way you could make it work in terms of the salary. So that definitely scares me. I I don't like the idea of Russell Westbrook on this team. I don't see how he helps, uh, not just on, on the floor, but in the locker room too. I, I don't see in terms of media scrutiny, everything. I, I just don't see where Russell Westbrook makes you a better team on or off the floor. I think it only hurts. And yeah, a couple of late draft picks are nice. But is it worth it? I'm not quite sure. Um, 
me personally, honestly, gun to my head, I'd prefer to keep Bogdanovich. I see how he can help this team as a professional, and especially in terms of his shooting, his versatility as a scorer. I certainly think that that's something that they not just are going to need this year, but probably are going to need next year as well. And while I see the idea of trading for more picks, man, Aaron, we've been saying it at a certain point, you got to win. You you need to win basketball games and continually restocking the cupboard as your young guys in Stewart and Bagley and Sadiq Bay require money and require contracts. I don't see how you can build something lasting. I don't see how you can build something stable where these guys can all gel together. So that really worries me about the idea of trading Bogdanovich. For me, I wouldn't do it. But do I see the potential wisdom in making a trade, especially the Suns one? Yes, I do. And would I hate it? No, not necessarily. But I am interested to see what you think on this, Aaron, because I feel like you got another perspective that I'm not thinking of. I'm I'm just in the clear cut, do not trade Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, I I people are going to get mad at me for relating it to Jeremy Grant. But part of the reason, you know, I wanted the Pistons to keep Jeremy Grant was like, you had a good player. You need to start winning games. You're going to need more good players. Getting rid of Jeremy Grant doesn't help you in, in that facet, right? And, and for a team that is supposedly trying to start winning more, trying to put together a winning team, you're going to need more good players. This team doesn't have enough of them right now. Bogdanovich is far and away one of the best players on this team. What he brings to the table is something that this team does not have nearly enough of. He can shoot it. You know, he, he's inside-out score. He's just a, a gravitational player that can make defenses pay for, for leaving him open. And he just has that pedigree. He has that experience. He's a veteran that can continually play big minutes for this team. Uh, he's not a guy that you have to stick at the end of the bench to try to, you know, have some sort of locker room support because you you have a super young team that, that needs to be out there playing. Uh, and you can't have, a, you know, you don't have a good enough veteran to actually be out on the court with the group. Bogdanovich is one of the best players and he's one of the oldest players on the team. And what he brings in terms of shooting and scoring is so, so important. The Pistons need more of it. Getting rid of him for, you know, a 2027 first round pick, a 2029 first round pick. Like, what does that, what does that do for this team long-term? Like, where is this team going to be in 2029? Where's Kate Cunningham? Where's Jaden Ivey? Where is the next lottery pick that this team seems destined to have going to be in 2029? At some point, you have to start pushing assets and chips to the table to put together a team that's capable of winning. And Bogdanovich is one of those guys that, especially on the contract that Detroit extended him at, is just such a valuable piece. You know, they're paying him guaranteed money next year, but the year after that, it's only two or three million partially guaranteed, you know, two to three million guaranteed. So if the Pistons had to cut ties with him for whatever reason uh, into the 2024, 2025 season, it's going to cost them $3 million. I mean, it, it would just not make sense to trade him for, for anything that, you know, is supposedly being thrown out there. I, I guess if things went really, really sour this year and this team continued to just trend in a really bad direction, and someone at the deadline was willing to move a first-round pick this year, you know, maybe. But we're talking about picks, you know, 
four, four, five, six drafts down the line. Like, no, thank you. Let's let's try to put together a team capable of winning. This 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 team, the city, uh, this fan base, everyone is ready to see this team start competing. You feel you have a couple big time franchise pieces in Cunningham and Ivy. Let's start putting the right guys around them and, and seeing where those can go. And, and Bogdanovich for me is one of those guys, even if, you know, he has to eventually come off the bench, uh, having a guy that can shoot and score the way he can you know, as a veteran that has the playoff experience that, that he has. Uh, it just makes all the sense in the world to, to keep him. And I'm just not really interested in continuing to go through this process of, all right, you have a half decent player. You have a good player. Well, we, the, the, the team sucks, so, so you got to trade them. You got to trade them for some sort of some asset, whether it's a young player or picks down the line. Like that, that is a process that cannot just continue to repeat and repeat and repeat itself. Uh, Detroit at some point has to start moving forward. Troy Weaver has to start making a legitimate impact in terms of making this team a playoff team. You, you can go through all of the drafts that you want to go through, uh, but that means, you know, if you're drafting the lottery every year, it means you're losing every year, and, and that doesn't get GMs general managers and coaches, job security. At some point, they have to start winning. And you feel like it should start to be now with some of the guys that the Pistons have on this roster, the cap space that they have available to them. Uh, it just makes makes all the sense in the world for them to start going for it. Trading a Bogdanovich would be the opposite of going for it. Uh, so I'm certainly, certainly not in favor of the Pistons moving on from him. Yeah, they're, they're at the point where they need to get better, not – continue to acquire assets down the road right I, I think we're on the same page with that and man how many times this year alone have we seen Bogdanovich be the guy that saves the Pistons offensively when they're in a rut so many times with his three-point shooting with his interior scoring like they need him straight up they need him right now they're the worst team in the league by net rating and it would be so much worse without this dude on the floor. Uh, that's how I look at it, at least. Uh, and yeah, you brought up a great point as well with his contract. It's extremely team friendly. And it's something that we brought up in regards to the Jeremy Grant thing as well. This is a guy that you can move down the line. He's an expiring contract, nominally speaking. Like he, he's not guaranteed for that for that second year. So you can still move him next year. Even if for some reason he lost his jumper and starts to struggle, he'll then be in an expiring contract for all intents and purposes, which means that he's still a movable asset. And if he is really good last year and you have a young wing coming in that is makes him replaceable, well, then guess what? You can trade him next year for assets. And guess what? A 2027 and 2029 Lakers first round pick, they'll still be there. They'll still be on the table and they'll still be a few years away. So it's not like you're missing out on some huge trade package that would solidify your future. There's no reason to rush and make a move right now. Like hold on to the guy that's making your team better. That's making your, your players better. That is clearly a part of this organization that wants to be here. And that obviously both the GM and the players, and the coach, all feel is an asset to their locker room and to their lineup. So, yeah, I think we're totally in agreement on this. Sorry to our listeners for not having some manufactured drama, but absolutely. Uh, just hold on to Bogdanovich. Patience is okay in this sense, because guess what? You're going to have to wait on those picks anyway, even if you do trade him. 
I'm I'm glad we're in agreement on this. I I really don't think it's a it needs to be a major discussion. Um, I, I mean it should be at least in my my mind pretty clear what the Pistons need to be doing right now, and and what we heard from the the local reporters what that th- was that this was the plan for Detroit once they acquire Bogdanovich. The plan was to eventually re-sign him uh, and and keep him in the fold moving forward because they want him around. So you know it's a little bit of you know, somewhat conflicting reports because, you know, Jake Fisher didn't really come out and say, you know, oh, the Pistons are actively pursuing trades for Bogdanovich, but there are still suitors out there, which makes you believe that talks are still at least uh, negotiable between two teams. So, yeah. And know. we And look, Aaron, we know Troy Weaver's always going to pick up the phone. He's said that. He doesn't mean he's going to trade guys, but he's always going to listen. And that's fine. He should. That's what a good GM does. You don't, you don't say steadfast. Uh, you know, it was great. Actually, John Boys, SB Nation, they just came out with a, a great, like, two-hour documentary on the uh, 2011-2012 Charlotte Hornets, where, you know, that team won, famously won seven games, the worst in NBA history. And they had one player on that team that was considered untouchable. You know who that was? Gerald Henderson Jr. Now, the idea that Gerald Henderson Jr. Was, would be considered untouchable now is laughable and it should have been laughable then because nobody is ever untouchable there's always a trade package that can work there's always an offer that can work and you can't just lock yourself into being one thing you always have to keep your eyes open always have to keep those ears open um you know flexibility is the name of the game especially when you're a bad team and i'm not saying they shouldn't listen to trade offers but look if if the return is like you said, 2029 draft pick and Russell Westbrook or Jay Crowder and campaign. I, I don't see the wisdom in that personally. I am in agreement for sure. Pistons tipping off in a couple minutes. Anything else that you wanted to quickly talk about before we take this one home? Yeah. I just need to publicly address this. I said a couple of weeks ago that I thought the Isaiah, that Isaiah Stewart shouldn't be taking three-point shots in competitive games and that I was baffled that this had gotten so much more serious run than like the Andre Drummond three-point shooting thing which was a bit hyperbolic I'm willing to say that people are coming for my heads and you know what I'm gonna say this right now in public if this is the tweet that gets me run off of Twitter so be it I'm not buying the Sadiq the, sorry Sadiq Bay. I'm not buying the Isaiah Stewart as a long-term consistent option from three I'm still not seeing it I hope I'm wrong. He's been much better over his last nine games, but I don't know, folks. Uh, if you buy into it, that's great. I'm I'm still not convinced. So I hope to be proven wrong, uh, but I'm I'm frankly a little baffled that people are really, really buying into it as much as they are over what is still a pretty small sample size. Yeah, I'm. It's funny because I I kind of feel the same way about the whole Killian Hayes thing right now. Like, oh yeah. You know, I see. Well, he had three good games, Aaron. It's he saved. Right, I'm seeing people tweeting out those, you know, public apology forms. With oh yeah, and it's like, look, guys, it's been three games. Stanley Johnson did this shit all the time in Detroit. Okay, he'd do this twice a year, where he'd get hot for a week or two, and you think, oh, he turned the corner. This is what we drafted. This is what the Pistons, you know, went out and got, and then it would revert back to normal, like. Would would I be very happy to be proven wrong? Would I be very happy if Killian Hayes was a guy? Absolutely. 
but let's wait more than three games to to start calling people out and, and to start you know saying you guys doubted him because he had a hundred 112 bad games to start his career you know now after three games you need to change your mind like that's just right think about how stupid that sounds think look, about think about Aaron, that. Aaron how dumb do you look now that Killian Hayes is shooting 29 percent from the floor instead of 18 percent from the floor egg on your face my friend egg all over your face look, no it, I mean it, I look I I like a lot of what Killian's done this year, actually. Like, I am not as low on him as you are. I still think when Alec Burks and him are on the bench, I really do think that there is something there, and I think he can still be a productive NBA player. I've said it before. You've seen lots of young guys who are defensive-minded guards who were crap their first few years. Sean Livingston, Marcus Smart, and then grew into themselves offensively. So I still think it's on the table, but... Folks, we are way, way, way too soon for mea culpas uh, for many of his doubters. Let's let's ease up a little bit. Get that shit. Get that field goal percentage over forty percent. Maybe then we'll talk. And and look, look. If Gillian Hayes does turn into a guy, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be one of the first. I'm gonna be at the top of the top of the world. I was the guy calling him the number one prospect in the draft a couple years ago. <laughs> you and Kevin O'Connor. If anything, I'll be vindicated. Okay, but until then, until we go more than three weeks, a couple weeks or three games, a couple weeks of him playing, you know, serviceable basketball, uh, I'm going to maybe just slow my roll there and not not start, you know, talking about how the Pistons got this guy that they thought they got three years ago. Let's just slow down a little bit. But but that being said, if he is a guy you will see me flip the script because I went two years defending the world out of this kid and saying he was going to be a guy. So I I'll be at the top of the top of the, the mountain with everyone that's calling for people uh, to, to, you know, apologize, but I'm going to wait more than three freaking games to do it. Yeah. I'm with you on that, Aaron. Um, yeah. Small sample size theater. Uh, it's, it's a thing. I mean, we're 161 Isaiah Stewart three-pointers, and he's shooting 32% from there. So, again, I'm not buying it. But, look, I think we'd both love to be proven wrong on that. I'm more than happy to be wrong if it means that I'm negative about a player and he ends up overperforming what I'm expecting. That's, that's not a problem for me. I will happily take any criticism there. So, yeah, um, let's slow our roll, I think, a little bit with those things. Let's – we need to see it for a season. I think that's true of both those players at this point. We, we need to see a full season of it before we're really going to buy into it. And I'm more than happy to be wrong. So no doubt, no doubt. All right. I, that, let's wrap here. I think, you know, Pistons about to tip off. Um, who knows what, what's going to happen during this game. Pistons Raptors, always a, a spectacle with Dwayne Casey under the helm of Detroit. So we will be tuning in to that game folks. Next podcast, obviously, this one coming out a little bit earlier in the week uh, compared to recent history. I know we didn't have one last week, so wanted to get uh, one out early this week. I'm thinking it'll be early again next week, considering the holiday. Uh, so it won't be too long before you hear our voices again. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in. Is that a threat, Aaron? <laughs> we're gonna hear our voices. Look, your ship's going up, and I don't know if that's you know something that's being done i look someone behind the scenes might be forcing people to listen to the podcast might be shoving in a lot of people's ears but 
people seem to like it. People seem to to like hearing our, our terrible takes, our incorrect takes about the Pistons. So we're going to keep it coming. And, and next week, it, it should be early in the week uh, as well, because I know you're waiting for the next time you're going to get to hear us, hear us talk about the Pistons. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to uh, our, our partners, Bet Online. As always, this is the Palace of Pistons podcast here on the Believe Network. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.